Good morning. It shall be a good morning <laughs> to you. You. Good morning. Good morning to you. You. It shall be a good morning. Good morning, won't you share with a friend or two? Good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you, you, good morning, good morning to you, and many more. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I am your host, Shante Charles. I hope that everybody is having a great and wonderful day. I'm going to do something a little different today because I believe that this is a really, really important topic. And so we are going to go live today on our Daring Dialogues Facebook page. And we are also podcasting and we're also here. So if you want to have conversation with us, you can remain here in IG. But I am going to be putting this on our Facebook page as well because I feel like uh, we need to have this conversation in more than one space today. So I think that is set up. Okay. So bear with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. As our Facebook live is coming on, I want to say good morning to you all. Thank you for bearing with me. I had a little bit of, had to check and make sure I was not having a family emergency before I got on. I know some of you are, um, can empathize with that. Uh, just making sure that all is well with my household. So today I wanted, I wanted to talk about this book, but I'm having to take a pause because I feel very impelled and compelled to address some things on this Relationship Wednesday that I continue to see being spread in the bodies of the Christ, especially in the black body of the Christ. So I wanted to address these things because um, they do have to do with relationship and they do have to do with your spiritual relationship both with yourself, your spiritual relationship with your, maybe your spiritual body and your um, spiritual relationship 
with the world at large that you live in. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so um, I wanted to I wanted to address those things. Now, um, it has been. Hold on one second. All right. I had to pause my podcast there to get us all back in sync and running together. So today is Relationship Wednesday. I am Shantae Charles. I'm your host for Daring Dialogues. And today is Relationship Wednesday, where we're going to talk all things relationship. Today, we're going to be talking about our relationship with spirituality. We're going to be talking about um, our relationship with the world at large, our personal relationship with spirituality, our relationship with other uh, spiritual organizations and spiritual people. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I bring in our Daring Dialogues audience on Facebook, though we are normally on IG, Daring Dialogues, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to know where we've been, that's where we've been, okay? If you want to join us in conversation after I share these things today, please make your way over to the IG, Daring Dialogues, and I will bring you in if you want to have conversation. So a couple of things that I've been noticing in terms of conversations that we've been having around spirituality in the bodies of Christ, especially the black bodies of Christ. And I'm just jotting a little note down here so um, I make sure that I, um, I make sure that I mention it. Okay. <clears throat> there was a post that was put up concerning um, witches and concerning, um, spirituality and concerning what to, um, watch out for. This was by this, um, post clip that was put up was by a young woman that a lot of people know, respect and admire. And she seemed very genuine and she seemed very sincere from my understanding. I've seen her ministry over the years. I haven't really followed her or followed her closely. I'm not a disciple of hers. Um, so in that regard, I don't have any, um, anything, you know, bad to say about her or her character or anything. I think her intentions may be very good. They may be just that good intentions. Okay. But every time lately, I seem to hear black Christians talking about witches and talking about what is witchcraft and talking about what is demonic. It all seems to center around trying to identify things that are traditionally attached to blackness. They are either traditionally attached to blackness or they are attached to Africanness or African spirituality. And I'm going to need for us as a people to do our own research, to do a little bit more reading a little bit more um, diving in to understand other people's practices that have not been westernized. Because what I see is I see 
almost everything related to Africanness being attached to, oh, it's occultic, it's wrong, it's demonic, you have to stay away from it, etc., etc., etc. I could go on and on and on. And believe it or not, these are some of the very tactics that were used to enslave your ancestors. Okay? So attaching evil, wrongness, and witchcraft to everything that is connected to blackness is a form of white supremacy. And I don't care who is doing it. I need you to understand that that is what is happening. Okay? So before you go deeming someone else's spiritual practices as demonic, Okay, I'm going to need you to do a couple of more levels of study and research before you go around shouting down other people about their spiritual practices and, and just calling them occultic or demonic or saying someone is going to a place of eternal damnation because of their cultural or spiritual practice. So that's the first thing that I want to say. Okay, now that person went on to say that in the past they were connected to, um, they were a Wiccan. They were, they practice whatever Wiccans practice, right? I'm not deeply into understanding that, but in her, for her, it was a ungodly practice. It was evil. And that is kind of the way that she laid it out. Okay. Um, she went on to say that because she was a witch, that's what she called herself, because she was a former witch, she understands that world and that the things that she sees some believers doing, she said, because of what she's seen in that world, that those practices are ungodly, etc. Now, I'm going to tell you, from my perspective, because I am not a witch, <laughs> but I grew up in a household um, and I was raised, part of my childhood, I was raised by a male witch, which is a warlock. Okay, so some of my formative years of life, I was raised by someone who was a practicing witch. So I'm also going to speak from what I do know, okay? And I'm going to share a couple of things with you. Um, and I'm going to try to do it in a way where I do not violate anyone's privacy because that person, he is deceased. He is no longer here. But his some of his victims are still living and I want to be respectful and mindful of their privacy while as I share my story. So I am talking a little bit slow because I'm trying to process in a way that I don't violate anyone else's privacy as I'm sharing. Okay. Now, living with someone who is a warlock, who is a witch, who practices in the occult. Okay. 
I can tell you some of the things that was involved. I can tell you um, some of the things that were a part of our household. Okay. But hear this, as I'm sharing these things, just because that person did the practice, it does not make the practice evil or demonic. And we have to stop doing that to people. Okay. We really do have to stop doing this in the bodies of Christ, especially in the black faith traditions. And I'm going to talk about it because I lived through it. So I can tell you, okay, some of the practices that I saw, the number one practice was he did not keep any scripture in the home. He did not keep any scripture in the home. Now I'll tell you the text that he did have. He did have a um, Book of Mormon that was kept in the home. He did have um, Dianetics by L. Run Hubbard that was kept in the home. But he did not have an actual Bible that we know of today. So in my household, growing up in this environment, there was no access to a Bible at all, okay? Another thing that I recall about living during this time in the household of someone who practiced the occultist practices and practiced CSA, and if you don't know what CSA is, it's child sexual abuse practices. Okay? He was a practitioner. Now, he did not harm me, but because of what I know and understand about those practices now, he was grooming me. He was trying to groom me. Okay? Did he do things with other other young girls? Yes, he did. But he was trying to groom me, okay? Another thing that I noticed as I was growing up in this environment is he would often get candles that would have images, I would assume of maybe the of maybe like saints. And those those candles would be different colors. And he would put them in different places throughout our home. And he would light them at certain times. This was a practice of his. Okay. There was no incense. It was only these candles that he would burn in different places in the home at certain times for a certain length of time. There were different, um, I remember there would be different powders that he would mix together that people would come to him and ask him, you know, different questions about how do I get rid of this problem or how do I, um, you know, attract this person 
and he would mix certain things together and give it to those people. I do remember that. I remember he did not like to be around <laughs> believers of the which my grandmothers were. So he would do his best to avoid being around them as much as he possibly could. And when he would see my grandmother coming, he would hastily make his way uh, out of her pathway and out of the vicinity of her when she would come to visit us. So these are things um, that I remember. At one point, the home we were living in almost burned down because he had these candles and things going in a certain place and one of the candles tipped over. No one was in that space at the time, but we were in the house and that part of the house caught on fire. We were um, home alone, um, not underage, but we were, we were young, but we were at the, you could be home alone age. And we were trying to put out the fire and the fire would not be put out. And so eventually we ran out of the house. We called um, for the fire department. And as soon as we ran out of the house, there was a big explosion and that whole part of the house where the room was blew up. And when the fire department got there and they eventually put out the fire, um, they were able to save the rest of the house, but they said, you all as young children were trying to, to put this fire out. But because it was surrounded by other things that had alcohol base to it, it was a chemical fire. So everything that we were doing to try to put it out was never going to work. But we didn't know that we were children. And so after that explosion happened and that occurrence happened um, with all of his concoctions and tinctures and all of those things being blown to smithereens, maybe about two or three months after that, he was exposed for his CSA and he was exposed by me. That in and of itself was a traumatizing um, thing to witness. And he eventually wound up going to trial. He got off for what he did for a lot of reasons. One, he had people protecting him. And two, um, his victims were afraid to testify and speak out against him because he was threatening their life. So those were some things that I saw. The other thing I saw um, before he disconnected um, from our family after all of this kind of went down, one of the other things I saw was that when we would be eating at a table, we'd be sitting down, um, you know, eating our food or whatever. He would regularly move things across the table just by looking at it. He could look at it and it would move toward him across the table. So there were some kinds of, I would say, mental practices that he was mastering to be able to do that. Now, somebody would say, well, that I've never seen that happen. That just, that just can't be possible. But yes, people can master their mental capacity in order to do things like that. Another time I was with him in a car 
and he was stopped by a police officer. The police officer came and I was in the passenger seat and the front passenger seat and he was in the driver's side. But the police officer stopped the car and the police officer for some reason came to my side of the car and he looked into the car at him. And I remember looking at him, looking at the police officer, wondering what is going on. And so the police officer leaned into the car after he stopped him. And I was looking at him when he said to the police officer, he said, is there a problem officer? And when he looked at the police officer, his eyes turned blood red, like like hot red, reddish coals. And I was looking at him while he was looking at the police officer. And the police officer backed up and said, no, everything's okay. You are free to go. There was no other communication. There was no other questioning. There was nothing. And his eyes went back to regular human recognizable color and he restarted the car and he kept driving. And that was the moment I knew that this man was possessed with something else. Okay. Now this happened after his exposure, um, with, um, CSA. After his exposure with CSA, because he was threatening the victims. Okay before the trial, I was aware of some of this. He would um, try to follow us around because at this point my mom had kind of, you know, separated and it threw our whole family into a huge dysfunction um, of just life because we were number one, trying to escape a crazy man and trying to find shelter and just completely displaced from the life that we had been living. And so he would find us no matter where we were moving around, he would find us and he would stalk us and he would be in his car. And next thing you know, we'd be walking and he'd just pull up beside us and he'd be driving, stalking us around the communities. This happened several times up into his trial. And again, at his trial, his victims were too afraid to testify. I think one victim who was older wound up testifying, but it wasn't enough evidence. And so he got off and he lived the rest of his life as if he had done no CSA and many of his victims had to go into police protection services. And about three years ago, he died. So why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because so many times I hear people bandy about terms like witch, witchcraft, and attaching it just arbitrarily to anything that they see that they don't understand. 
And I want to hopefully through my own story, let you know that witchcraft can look like a lot of different things. It's not just this one size fits all thing. It's not, oh, this person is burning an incense in their house. Therefore they're a witch. It's not, oh, this person has sage and they're cleansing their environment from bacteria, which is actually a scientific thing, by the way. Oh, they're, they're using sage in their home. They must be evil. They must be a witch. I would really like people to stop trivializing what it actually means to be someone who dwells and lives in the occult. Because this man that I lived with, just kind of by looking at him, you would not have known that he was doing any of this stuff. You would not have known what his spiritual practice was. He typically wore really loose-fitting pants, a white men's t-shirt, and he had two braids that were long, that were plaited to the side. That was it. He didn't have any tattoos. He didn't have any outward appearance, per se, that would make you think that he was involved in any of these evil, wicked practices of abusing children. And so in the body of Christ, we do people a disservice when we try to say that this thing here or that thing here means that somebody is in, a, um, in the occult. We really have to stop that. We really do. You're not doing anyone a service by trivializing what it means to be or to live under someone who is practicing and involved in the occult. This man got away with CSA of young children for decades. Decades. He was doing things that my mother had absolutely no clue about. He was in a polygamous relationship. He was cre um, uh, committing bigamy. He was married to someone else while he had married my mother. So when we talk about what does it mean to be a part of these practices? What does it mean to live under someone who is doing these practices? It is not this cut and dried thing that people try to make it to be. There were some times when he was, when he showed kindness, but it was usually for grooming purposes. And so if you want to talk about what's a witch and what's not a witch, some of you are ignoring the people that are grooming your children 
but you're too busy talking about this thing over here and calling it witchcraft. But you're ignoring that your child is being groomed. I know that this is a kind of heavy topic. But I think it's I think it's very important that we stop as a body of believers that we stop trying to take one little thing and say this must be a witch or this must be witchcraft because if you have not lived in that environment I can tell you right now you're missing a whole bunch of clues as to what is actually the occult again we did not have a Bible in our home. It was not allowed. But we had other books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had Dianetics by Ron L. Ron Hubbard. We had the Book of Mormon. But a Bible, and some would argue that the Book of Mormon is text, but a Bible, no. It was not allowed in our home. It, you could not bring it in there. So are there people that might be using scripture as spells? There could be. But this man was in the upper echelons of witchcraft and the occult. He was practicing again child sexual, child ritual um, abuse. Okay. So when I see, and I'm trying to say this as nicely as I can. When I see black people talking about African spiritual practices, and just shoving all African spiritual practices under evil, don't do it, it's of the devil. That is concerning to me. It might not be concerning to you, but it is concerning to me. Here's a, one reason why it's concerning to me, okay? In African culture, there is something done called ancestor veneration. It is not worshiping your ancestors. It is paying respect to your ancestors. It is remembering the lessons that your ancestors taught you. Guess who else practices ancestor veneration? White America. White America practices it all the time. But when that words, those words come out of the mouth of black people, all of a sudden it's evil, it's occultic, it's wicked. But white America practices this, this all the time. How do we know they practice this all the time? Because you get taught it in your history books. You get taught it as the founding fathers. That's ancestral veneration, by the way. They honor the people who founded their idea of America. Do we call them witches? 
Do we say, no, you shouldn't do that? They hold whole holidays based on some of these founders. Do we say, you shouldn't do that? It's an evil, wicked practice. You're giving respect to your ancestors. You're giving respect to your founding fathers. They hold whole celebrations and fireworks, etc. Do we say, this is wrong, this is evil, you shouldn't do it? No, we do not. No, we do not. Okay? And so what I'm seeing is, I'm seeing a lot of things that come out of pseudo-white supremacy classified under spirituality. And a lot of it has to do with getting you to dislike anything related to your cultural connections. Because if I can demonize it, you won't ever go and look at it. You won't ever go and study it. You won't ever go and, and get an understanding for yourself because you've already been indoctrinated that anything that comes out of Africa is evil. And I just, I'm, I'm concerned because here we are in the year of 2023 and people are still doing this. I'm, I'm concerned. What's another way that you are taught to respect other people's beliefs, but not to respect anything that comes out of Africa. Well, I don't know about you, but part of my public schooling, I had to learn about Greek mythology. We didn't skip past Greek mythology, did we? Anybody? Let me know. Let me know if your if your school skipped past Greek mythology. You learned about Zeus and Jupiter and Venus and Ariadne and the Il and Homer's the Iliad and the Odyssey. All of that was somebody's spiritual and pra practice. That was their spiritual practice. Did your parents pull you out and say, oh no, oh no, they can't learn about that. Those are foreign gods. Those are foreign gods that are venerated by America. Did anybody, I mean, did your parents say, I don't want my child learning about Greek gods? Somebody help me. If, if, if that was true, I want to know. And it's not until later that you learn, or if you've done your independent study, it's not until later, right, in your educational life that you realize that those Greek and Roman gods were renamed from African gods. So the same people telling you not to pay attention to the African gods fail to recognize that those are the same African gods renamed as Roman and Greek gods that you see as great tales.
I just need us to be consistent because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance happening. Let's go a little further, okay? These same Greek gods that you are groomed with, learning in public school, they become attached to organizations. Am I right? They're called what? I'm sorry. Let's say it. Greek letter organizations. Blink twice if you can hear me. Greek letter organizations. So you've already been groomed to get to know these gods <laughs> before you go off to college to get initiated into Greek letter organizations. Now, are you going to drop your Greek letter, your Greek letter organization that is tied to Greek gods? Is that occultic? Is that demonic? Or is that lauded and celebrated in American culture? I just need us to do a little more thinking. I need us to do a little more thinking. I need us to do a little more thinking about how we are allowing people to take anything that is associated with blackness, anything that's associated with Africanness, and just tie it to, it must be demonic. Oh, you got to watch out for that because that's demonic. But all this other stuff that we're doing, it's okay because it is connected to and sits under the white power structure. It is a form of white pseudo-supremacy to take everything that is black and everything that has to do with Africa and the heritage of African people and decide that it is evil. Let me help you out again. During the Black Plague, there were women who had cats. And those women that had cats for some reason were not dying of the plague. The people of their day decided that because they were not dying of the plague, they must be witches and had some of those women killed. Come to find out, it was because of their cats, because their cats were taking on some of what was happening with that disease and it was creating a buffer between them and the disease. But that's how we get cats as associated with evil and witches today. It's 2023. I'm going to need us to investigate the things. Investigate what is being told to you. Try the Spirit by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to see if it be of God. 
And please stop letting people take one or two scriptures out of context and then applying it blanketly, blanketed over everything and everyone. Here's another example. During the Salem witch trials, which we are going to get into um, on my show, hopefully sometime in our future episodes, I have a couple of books I want us to go through. But during the Salem witch trials, there were, it wasn't just women that were being pulled and that they were accusing of being witches. It was women who, one, were speaking out against slavery. Go figure. And a white preacher they hung who said that slavery was wrong and he was teaching against enslavement. But not only were they women who were speaking out against slavery, they were women who were property owners. And they wanted their property. So they trumped up a whole bunch of stories and false witnesses and accused them of witchcraft so that they could kill them, so that they could possess their properties. Once again, as we end, I'm going to need us to stop demonizing things that we do not understand and have not looked into. All right. I hope I have said that with, I've tried to say that and explain that with as much clarity as I can without revealing um, other information that would um, jeopardize the privacy of others. But I will tell you, and I'm going to say it again, the things that people are looking at that they're trying to, you're combing through and you're saying, this must be witchcraft. This must be witchcraft. This must be a, this must mean they're a witch. This must mean they're a warlock. I'm going to say, do better. Do better. Go have some conversations with CSA survivors. Go have some conversations with people who have actually lived in an environment where the occult was practiced. Okay. That's all. If you would like to respond to what I've said today, we are going to continue live on Daring Dialogues. I'm going to open it up for conversation um, on Instagram. So you can head over to my Instagram if you want to respond to what I've shared on today. If not, I will see you next time on Daring Dialogues. Thank you so much again for your time and attention. Take care, Daring Dialogues Facebook, and join us now on IG for the rest of the conversation. Be well and be light.